to a restart drive by FM. Why I say? Drive by FM is back on the this is Drive by FM, the sound of the ghetto coming to you from deep in the heart of Berkshire. <laughs> Gangsters. It's in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Shadita squeak across the bathroom floor. Out my back window, I'm my escape. Didn't even get a chance to grab my old school tape. Mad with no music, traffic is free. And the streets to a player is the place to be. Got a knot in my pocket, weighing at least a grand. Gold on my neck, my pistol's close in hand. I'm a self-made monster of the city streets. Remotely controlled by hard hip-hop beats. But just living in the city is a serious task. Didn't know what the cops wanted, didn't have time to ask. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Cinema Beef Podcast. I am your host and moderator, Gary. My mission is this, to give you, the people, an open forum to nitpick with your friends about the films you deem unworthy. You're welcome to join me or join a friend to debate the debate of the ages. And you, the listening audience, can decide via Twitter, Facebook, or email who is the victor and who is the chump on the selected titles of the episode. <laughs> the way it works is that I would choose a film, you would choose a film, and then we would pick a film together we could both agree on just to clear the air. I will have to have a different co-host every week, schedules permitting. I'm sure a good time will be had by all, with very little bloodshed. By the way, if you're yapping dogs, or in the case of my first guest, small children, get over it. They are unavoidable extra co-hosts, because we love them, and no matter how, how bothersome they may become. My first guest for this episode is a guy I've known for half my life. He is the tango to my cash, the spanking to my alfalfa. Also, he's my brother, Rico Gonzalez. How you doing, brother? What up, dog? You know, I bet living in a house with predominantly females when you were younger, I bet you watched a lot of trash over the years, huh? Lots of trash, Gary. Footloose, Dirty Dancing, you name it. What do you think the first piece of true piece of garbage you were subjected to as a child was? I don't know. See, I usually ended up coming around to all of them um, just because of being uh, just forced to, to watch things. Uh, I ended up be- being – it's a secret. Don't tell anybody. I do like Dirty Dancing. Um but one movie I'll never like and I will always curse is All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, God. Yeah, first of all, my, my sister made me want to punch a hole through the drywall was the, the one you're talking about, Dirty Dancing. I know, it's meant, <laughs> I know it's meant to be a chick flick, but she wore out that VHS and drove me crazy. I mean, come on. There are better films than Swayze in it. Next of Kin, anyone? I bet you, <laughs> I bet you thought I was going to say Roadhouse, didn't you? 
Yeah, yeah, but that's that's your little homoerotic fantasy game. Yeah, I'm okay with that, okay? It's a good movie. Anyway, let's get to the meat and the potatoes of the podcast. Or if you're a vegan, the lentils and rice. <laughs> because if you're my guest, because you were there, yeah, sorry about this, guys. Because you are my guest, we will dissect your film first. My friend selected the 1997 action Dynamo with a Saint, starring Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue. When was the first time you remember seeing this film, and what draws you to this film? It had to be in the theater. Um, I don't know what drew me to it. I think my brother-in-law paid for it. Uh, <laughs> I was 15 or 16, um, deadbeat kid. And uh, if he wanted to go to the movies, he took me. No, that sounds like so, a... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It's, uh, yeah, it was probably there. It was probably with him. If not, it was on cable the next year. Well, that sounds like our listeners went for a treat. Wink, wink. <laughs> Here's the trailer for our first selection. I hope you enjoy the ride. A man without a name can never be identified. We've got a handful of false identities used on visas, passports. My name is Bruno Houghton Faust. I am I'm Tony. Tony St. Hubbins. A man who doesn't exist can never be caught. I've been chasing him for nearly two years. He eluded a hit squad this morning in Holland Park. A man who doesn't love can never truly be alive. This woman has discovered something that will revolutionize the world. It's a formula for creating energy. You will steal it for me. How did you do that? Magic. When we master this technology, then we dictate terms to the West. Give it up! You got all the ways to go! I escaped. I always escape. Paramount Pictures presents... Nicholas Owen, Louis Guinella, Peter Damien. All the names of Catholic saints. A story about betrayal. You've got to get away from me. I'm not going anywhere until you tell me why you lied to me. You don't know what you're dealing with here. Redemption. I can't trust anybody. I never have. And destiny. Kill him. And bring her to life. If you want to live, you can leave my side. From the director of Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. The army must be mobilized. The balance of power is about to shift. Val Kilmer. Tell me you love me. Elizabeth Shue. Who are you? The Saint. plot synopsis of this cinematic gem is as follows. Simon Templar has no real family, no real home, and it's not even his real name. Templar, also known as the Saint, for using use of creating false identities using the names of Catholic saints is one of the world's most successful thieves. Slick, debonair, and a master of disguise, Simon manages it out with the police again and again. On his next job, Simon is hired by the Russian Mafia to steal a cold fusion energy formula from a scientist. However, this backfires when he falls for the pretty intelligent scientist. Simon and his new love must now manage out with the Russian mafia and work out the energy formula before the worst happens and the U.S. is affected forever. That sound all right, dude? Sounds pretty accurate. I don't know how much of uh, 
the U.S. is involved in it, it never really tackles what's going on in America, but I guess it would have some kind of implications. I didn't write this. This is the IMDb synopsis. Yeah, well, paid internet writers. What are you going to do? This film surrounds only about, about five actors that you know really speak of, and I'm going to abuse some of these names. Val Kilmer is Simon Templar. Elizabeth Shue is Dr. Emma Russell. Rade Serbeja as Ivan Trediak. Valerie Nikolev as Ilya Trediak. And Henry Goodman as Dr. Lev Botvin. Botvin. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it's like Botvan or something like that. You would be better. You need to watch more sorry. hockey. You would be better at pronouncing the Russian names if you watched more I'm hockey. I'm not a communist, dude. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> the IMDb rating of this film is a 6.0, which sounds about right to me. How about you, dude? Yeah. Well, in my own personal opinion, it would be a little bit better than that. But it is a bargain bin movie, so take it for what it is. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll get right into it, dude. Name, okay. name the parts, name like specific scenes you love about this movie that you know might might sway me into liking this movie myself. <sighs> Elizabeth Shue giving Val Kilmer some good old fashioned body heat. Oh. <laughs> oh, the hypothermia thing. Yes. It's like, oh, we gotta save her heart medicine, but there's like a Walgreens probably down the street. They don't have Walgreens in fucking Russia. Yeah. He's gotta dive in the fucking <laughs> cold ass water to save her fucking heart medicine, you know. Well, yeah. When you have, you know, Russian gangsters running after you with their Russian guns and their their Russian laws and Russian torture, uh, yeah, you got to hide where you can hide. If he's supposed to be like this big master of disguise, you know, that, you know, he could hide in anything and, you know, blend in any crowd and basically like super spy or whatnot, you know, you think he could figure out something from there besides. He's a, he's a master of disguise with preparation. Okay, now when you're running on the spot, what's he going to do? Rip off her scarf and turn himself into, you know, Ms. Doubtfire? He dressed in drag in that one scene, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, okay. I mean, the guy's got more wings than a fucking transsexual. Maybe he's got, that says something about him, you know? Maybe a little bit. It is Val Kilmer. <laughs> but we can't mess with the guy who played Doc Holliday, can we? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, you got me there, but that's that's a whole different movie, dude. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> something to discuss later. Oh, you know, you do the you do the you do the surefire movie, then you do the safe movie, and then you can play with it a little bit. Yeah, I encourage you to throw me curveballs. That's all I'm saying. We just know each other too well for you, me for me to know what you like and you know what I like. You pick the one movie you know I don't like, so you know. There, there you go. It took a while. You like a lot of trash. <laughs> yeah, I do. <coughs> Pitch black. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, we, I dragged you to the show to go that's see another, that one. That's another episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, folks will disagree with you on that one. Maybe not Supernova, because that was kind of garbage. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. Oh, we got Elizabeth Shue Body Heat. Um, other than that, it, it it doesn't slow down. The movie just it kind of keeps up its pace for the whole thing, and it never, it never really disappointed me at all at any point. Um, you know, he's always on the run. He's always got something going on. Uh, he's always got some more kind of trick up his sleeve, and it's still... I don't know, it's man. still in the realm of possibility. It, it's still in the realm of possibility. I didn't think they really happened until like 50 minutes into the movie, like action-wise. I mean, you see the little thing at the beginning, you know, where for it's some not reason... It's an action movie. And then for some reason, he jumps off the building, and to, to put a little exclamation <laughs> point on it, he takes off his fake mustache. 
It's like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's not sold as an action movie. I think it is. If you watch the trailer, though, you can tell it's, it's sold as an action movie. It's not a drama. Okay. You know, it's not really, no, it's not no, really a thriller. Drama, but it, it's, it's a suspenseful movie. It's, it's, it's Chases. You know, Chases doesn't necessitate action. There is. They did sell it as an action picture. You can tell by watching it, watching some of the scenes. You know, there's, there's not a lot of gunshots going off. It is. It's fast paced, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a blow them up, shoot them up movie. Yeah, you think like the Russians, you know, where one of the some of the biggest guns were created. You know, they could shoot better than the A team. That's all I'm saying. Because they weren't hitting well, shit. You know, movie ballistics is something we'd have to have a whole another show about. Um. Not even an episode. It just had to be a whole series about how awful movie gunfire is. You know, it was for the beginning too, dude. He, he like when he's like twelve or whatever. He's in the 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 orphanage. Or <laughs> he's like the most overconfident twelve year old I've ever seen in my life. No, he's, I, I. He's an amateur. On, dude. He's an amateur up, thief. He's a, or something. He's like an amateur thief, a savior to all read, the orphans. Read some Judy Bloom, man. Come on. Oh. Come on, it's kids are like that. Kids watch too many superhero shows, read too many comic books. They start thinking they're Spider-Man. That's totally possible. That happens all the time. What makes him an expert locksmith? You know, with making his like carving a shiv out of whatever the fuck that thing was. You know, using it till he was into his adulthood. You know, <laughs> it's like oh, hey. the orphanage is a too good place to be. I'm gonna carve myself a shiv and get the fuck out of here. Come here, Monsignor. I'm gonna cut your ass. <laughs> um, I think that kind of takes the movie to a different level than it was intended. I'm just saying, though. I'm just make, making making a joke or rationality or whatnot, you know. Uh, you, you, you're trying to make a rated R movie out of a PG-13. Yeah, that's, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that, though. <laughs> I, I don't need to see that, you know, but it'd be kind of funny, you know, in a way to me, you know. <laughs> I, mean, you know me, I, know, I know nothing more than a good on-screen decapitation. Not in that sense, you know, but... I'm not sick or anything. I'm just been desensitized to a lot of things. Yeah, I think you are kind of sick. Yeah, maybe slightly. <laughs> All right, what so, else do you like about this movie? Uh, Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue. Uh, you know, I, I like, you know, the locations. Um, you know, it's in Russia. It goes back and forth. Russia, London, Russia, London. Um, you know, you, you see a lot of Euro-centric sort of stuff. Um, Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I like just I just it's it's got that whole spy thing to it without being the spy thing. It's 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 James Bond without being ridiculous. Um, you know, James Bond goes into these extremely high tech sort of things that are just just beyond what is possible. You know, in our time, um, the saint stays there. Yeah, and, he has somebody to make him cool gadgets, though. I don't think the Saint had a cue. He kind of had, like, the shiv and the thing to fucking, like, the electronic, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this safe lock thing, you know? And he was kind of, yeah. he was kind of a lazy uh, thing, in my opinion. The body suit temperature thing. It had, like, a, a little bit of a Metal Gear Solid kind of feel to it with the body temperature yeah, sensor. Yeah, I was just about that. You know, and the suit and, you know, the safe cracker. And then there's the whole uh, cell phone laptop thing, which, you know, I think was just a good idea back then. Um, but you know, there wasn't, you know, nuclear devices inside of a shoe or 
cars that could turn into rocket ships. Yeah, but those were um, meant to be over the top. They, 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 you know, they, they meant the that. You know, it, it stays kind of low-key. It stays within the realm of possibility. This is just one guy acting on his own. So his gadgets aren't going to be that sort of, uh, you know, that kind of high-tech and out of, the, you know, out of this world. Yeah. I, I agree with you on the location thing. That was pretty cool. It's always good when they have the real locations and... You could tell by watching it that that's that's what they went for, you know, and yeah. that, that made it more enjoyable. And for some reason, I really laughed at the scene where they were in that Russian bar and they were betting on the rat races. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna fucking die laughing. Guy singing from his nose and juggling eggs. I don't yeah. know what the hell he was doing. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. You know, you you got the the, the Russian uh, comfort girls, I guess I'll say. Yeah, you can you can say horrors. Um, I'll say horrors all day long. You know, you have the Russian comfort women over there, and they—they look all Russiany. They're—they're—they're they're, they're pretty, but they got that sort of dinginess to them um, <laughs> that you would find in. in yeah, they got some miles on them, huh, dog? Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what about the, the? Yeah, this is the part about the movie that, that everybody does their shit. Is the, the the secret Russian revolutionary, you know, woman? You know. Oh right, the the, the, the Che Guevara looking supermodel. <laughs> yeah. The- yeah, the the underground bitch, I'll call her. She fucking goes on, you know, runs shit underground. Yeah, she was good looking too. That was a nice little break. You know, we get the blonde, we get a brunette. You know, and there were no gingers, which is good. Um, <laughs> well, I guess the wrong with gingers, man. What's up with that, man? My favorite kind of girl. <laughs> Ever see Patty's at triple threat, freckled Irish and drunk. Oh, jeez. Those girls were fun, dude. But... Yeah, you know, that, that just went into something completely different. But you know what? They needed help. Um, and, you know, just like in anything, not everyone is part of the mass is going to hand them over. Um, they they hid in the building, and then they got help from the the Russian comfort woman. Um, and that, that led to the whole body temp thing, and they got into the sewers. And there, there was more help there. Yeah. Uh, you know, not everyone's part of the whole uh, movement. You know, even the scientist. Um, you know, he didn't have to have a gun pointed at him. He ended up doing the right thing in the movie. I mean, even even in the movie though, Elizabeth Shue, she's supposed to be like this big scientist that make this big discovery of cold fusion. Until the end of the movie, where she actually put the codes together to do what she was going to do. You know, make cold fusion happen. She seemed like a really shitty scientist when she was talking in her first lecture or whatnot. Like, she had no idea what the fuck she was talking about. Yes, but they also put picked her because she's not the typical scientist. They put the scientist that creates cold fusion in a little blonde package, a gorgeous little blonde package. Yeah. And, you know, she, she, she's automatically, from the second you see her, not fitting the mold of a scientist that would create... I'm just saying, though, in, the, in, her, in her talking of, of science and, you know, trying to explain her point, they weren't really buying it either, you know, because she didn't sound like she knew what she was talking about. She was eccentric, Gary. I, I guess, man. I'm going I'm to call it she like... Was, she was eccentric. I'm going Ill, to call it ill-equipped, mentally, not physically, because she, she is banging, dude. <laughs> she, her character... Yeah, she was she was different. She was a little bit on the the nutty side, um, you know. Which for some people it would it would make them believe it a little more that she's capable of this because she's just a little bit off center. 
You know what I mean? And a scientist that could come up with something like that would have to be a little off center, would have to be different from the, uh, you know, overbitten, pocket protector, gray haired, balding scientist that you would typically think of. Another problem I have with this is, you know, her automatic attraction and automatic, like, pining for the Val Kilmer character, whatever the fuck okay, his name ladies, was. Okay, ladies, take a second. Ladies, take a second. How many of you are not attracted to Val Kilmer? I'm just saying, dude. That's what you, I thought. You, you knew they were wasted. <laughs> they wasted at least 45 minutes of the film. Not because they wasted, because you knew you knew going in that they were going to be together in the end. You you knew this. So spoilers, guys. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm sorry. It's that kind of movie. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you knew you knew right away they were going to be together. But then they wasted all this time on you know her like knowing knew, knowing that he lied to her about everything that he was, and she's still oh, but I'm still in love with you. Let's do it in the fire you're fucking cold. Yeah. You know, not, not believable things, you know, but she, she ain't bad looking. They establish, they establish Val Kilmer's sexiness in the very beginning of the movie when he's on the plane and he's all, you know, Spanish Don Juan, you know, talking to the French girl on the plane and gives her the necklace and, you know, next thing you know, they're in bed. You know, he's... He's got it like that. He's a suave motherfucker. You know, you know I mean, so, yeah, of course, you know, it's, it's going to be that way. And then he does his research. Come on. He he pulls the stalker moves. Yeah, he's smarter than her is what I'm saying. She's supposed to be like this god of cold fusion. She's going to save the energy crisis and, you know. Hey, Gary, book smarts, street smarts. Which one's usually going to win? I'm just saying, though, man. I get maybe because maybe she ain't had in a while. I find that very hard to believe. You know, but, yeah. She, she seemed like, with the whole lecture thing, and her not knowing what the fuck she's talking about, and her just pining for this, is he Australian, is he British, is he German? You don't fucking know. <laughs> He's the master of disguise, you know. He can be fucking so anything. Say, so should Dana Carvey have been in The Saint instead of Val Kilmer? No, I would go there. Maybe he could be like the sidekick in The Saint too if that ever happens, you know. <laughs> that could be spectacular. It could be a comedy slash action that, film. That could be a very good movie. I would watch that movie. I would watch that movie. It'd be like, I th- it'd, be like that movie. it'd be like three times better than this movie. All right, because it'd be like a, it'd be like a buddy cop movie. It'd be like the new. It'd be you like know, the new Martin Riggs and uh, you know, Mr. Murtaugh. You know, Gibson and Glover. Woo! <laughs> you know, you, you got to look at the the triangle, okay? The good guy's a good guy, a little skewed. The bad guy's a really bad guy, okay? And then the whole goal the objective and then the intangibles or the tangible uh, qualities of Elizabeth shoe factor in, you know, what was important and what needed to be there was there cheesiness aside. It had everything it should have had. I wouldn't say he was a real formidable opponent opponent to Val Kilmer though, because Val Kilmer seemed to have the upper hand, like no matter how much near death he was, it's like, yeah, gotcha again. Gotcha again. Yeah, you know, he, he, he didn't, he didn't, yeah, he never really seemed like he was in trouble. Um, he never did seem vulnerable. Um, but, I mean, is James Bond ever vulnerable? That's a character, though, you know. I mean, do you ever really question that James Bond isn't going to make it out of this alive? Yeah, but you know, because he's going to be on there for the next movie, because there's like fucking 30 of those books <laughs> or something, you know. They're going to make another one. But but there has been opponents that have gotten the best of Mr. Bond, but then, of course, he comes out alive <laughs> and is smelling like a fucking rose. Because <laughs> he's... Not, I'm not going to say he's as suave as this guy, but he's not as suave as Bond. 
Well, yeah, that's another discussion. Yeah, two two words, dude. But, Ashton Martin. Okay, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I can, I'm ugly, motherfucker. I get tail with an Ashton Martin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're gonna move on from this point. I, I I'd say I grade this movie. I'm gonna give it a C minus. See, I didn't give it a failing grade, dude. That means it worked, but it just tried really hard. Okay. I I would give it a B. I would give it a B. You know, you're thinking on a scale of one, one to a hundred. Yeah, it's, it's an eighty. That's like a B minus. You know, dude. points after that's where it starts to bottleneck and points start to. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's fine. A B minus. I mean, you're, you're, it's, you're, it's a little better than average to me. It, it deserves. You know, it, it doesn't deserve the five dollar treatment. Maybe the seven dollar treatment, but not the five dollar treatment. But that's okay. I picked it up for five bucks. I consider that a steal. Well, you're you're a teacher now. What's that grade on a curve? About a B plus. Solid B. Solid B. Solid B. Okay. There's a man who leads a life of danger. To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. With every move he makes, another chance he takes. Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Secret agent man, secret agent man. They've given you a number and taken away your name. That you find A pretty face can hide An evil mind Oh, be careful what you say Or you'll give yourself away Odds are you won't live to see tomorrow Secret Asian man Secret Asian man
now we're going to move on to the next one that my friend recently told me he dislikes. And I think our friend I did, I'm not going to mention, you know, but she'll probably tear his dick up and feed it to him or something. He he hates this movie. He recently, recently confessed to me. But I love it. And I can watch it, like, whenever it's on TV, at least at least part of it, you know. So I've probably seen it all together, probably about 35 times. All right. Now, here's a trailer for, uh, yeah, Jurassic Park, my friend that hates. So, so here you go. Since the beginning of time, man has searched the earth for evidence of its past. But while some have looked for clues to the mystery, one man has found the way to bring the mystery back to life. I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica. And I spent the last five years setting up a kind of biological preserve. On this private island, science has defined evolution. Where do you get a hundred million year old dinosaur blood? Genetics has mastered creations. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. And extinction is a thing of the past. Welcome to Jurassic Park. None of these attractions are ready yet, of course, but the park will open with the basic tour you're about to take. Hey, look at this. You see something? Dinosaurs and man. Two species separated by 65 million years of evolution have just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. And we possibly have the slightest idea. You feel that? What to expect? synopsis for Jurassic Park is as follows. During your it has a plot? It does have a plot, yes. During your preview <laughs> tour, a revolutionary new theme park suffers a major power breakdown that allows its cloned dinosaur exhibits to escape and attack everyone inside. That sound right, dude? Sounds accurate. Okay. This film stars... I'm going to name more stars in that enemy because we're more relevant characters in my opinion. This film stars Sam Neill as Dr. Al- Dr. Alan Grant. Laura Dern as Ellie Sattler. Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm. Sir Richard Attenborough as John Hammond. Bob Peck as my favorite character in the film, the awesome hunter Robert Muldoon. Wayne Knight as Dennis Nedry. 
Samuel Jackson as Ray Arnold, and topping off the cast would be the young stars, Joseph Pazello and Ariana Richards, as Tim and Wax, Mr. Hammond's grandchildren. I know it's a long cast, but I gotta say, all their parts, they've all played their parts in the film. The IMDb score of this film is a high 8.0 and well-deserved, in my opinion. How about you, dude? <clears throat> I might go a little bit lower, but that sounds that sounds where it should be. It's below what it's hyped at, what people grant it. You say it's an overrated film, like uh, by not by me, but by, by most. By most. <laughs> okay. Stupid movie. Oh man, you blow. Anyway, can you tell me the first time you saw this film, Jurassic Park? In the theater, I was ten and I fell asleep. I think you had a short attention span, dude. I'm just throwing it out there. I was ten and I fell asleep. How do you lose a ten-year-old attention watching dinosaurs? Oh, I know. You do what Jurassic Park did. You would Jurassic Park it? Is there any calls like fucking up something Jurassic Parking it? <laughs> park it. <laughs> you gotta park it, huh? Park it like it's weak. I mean, I, 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 re- I realize, you know, that it took like a half an hour. I'm not going to call it get going, but it had to set up for what you were going to see. But, you know, name like specific problems you got with this film. I'm, I'm, I'm deathly curious about this. Well, I mean, anyone I, that wants to call again, it science fiction. As, as, as you watch it as an adult, as compared to a child, I'll put it that way. Well, anyone that wants to call it science fiction needs to have their head examined. It's just completely fantastical. Um, yeah, you know, we, we broke the genome code. We know a lot about DNA. Theoretically, things are possible. But the mosquitoes in that little crusty syrup rock were not capable of piercing through dinosaur hide. And if they were, dinosaurs can't exactly swat a mosquito. So the odds are is that these mosquitoes trapped inside these crusty syrup rocks had more than one dinosaur's blood in them. Okay, and the technology, especially in, what, 1991, 1992 would have never been able to separate, well, this is one dinosaur, this is a different dinosaur, okay? Then you have your plants, all right? They point out that these plants shouldn't exist, that they're gone millions and millions of years ago, but yet they're here. So did these plants get found in crusty syrup rocks too? I don't I don't think about the plants thing because, you know, they never said these plants didn't exist, like pre-whatever. I'd imagine since, you know, the Ellie Sattler character, um, she's a paleobotanist. I'm sure there's other paleobotanists involved knew which plants existed when these dinosaurs existed. And I imagine no. even, even, if, even if they weren't accurately placed, I'm sure they, they, they could plant anything on this fucking – this whole fucking island. And they, they really didn't matter. What matter was the attraction, the fucking dinosaurs? And as far as the okay. fucking mosquito thing goes, like maybe – they had trouble piercing, whatever you're saying, piercing the dinosaur skin. But I don't know that for sure. I'm not a scientist. You know, like I said, this is science fiction. I'm not saying it could happen. It's, it's all about a possibility of, of, of making it happen within your mind. I'm just saying we need to... I don't, I don't, I don't to, know exists, you know. I couldn't tell you. They, they, they take scientific words and they sort of put a story around it. Um, you know... DNA, it's that stuff's real. All these things are theoretically possible. I believe that, but the way they work it, and I'm sure it, it, it weaves a much better, more sensible tapestry in the book. But I think they might have wanted to read the book once or twice more um, before they started filming and, and putting a script together. Um, you know, and a lot of it, yeah, it 
the beginning really drags. And they depend on these few shots of dinosaurs to, to kind of carry it. Um, you know, you've got, you've got the scene with the Triceratops where the Triceratops is sick. That's a 15-minute scene that does not need to be there. To, to be fair, you know, none of the effects have really ever been done before until that movie came out. So they were, they were pretty much a marvel to look at, if you think about it, even today. So it was just like Avatar, completely useless movie. Oh, yeah, it is kind of Pocahontas, isn't it, Avatar? Kind of, yeah. It's, it's a little long. Yeah, they might as well have started breaking out in the colors of the wind. <laughs> but back to what I about the, the mosquitoes thing, you know, maybe since dinosaurs are so big, and like you said, they could not swat them off because, you know, a T-Rex can't even, you know, play with himself because his fucking arms are fucking small. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. Anyway, yeah, maybe they couldn't swat them off. Maybe they got their fill and they fucking died out right there. But how the fuck they got out of the trees, I have no idea. Maybe they flew to the trees, landed on the trees, and they fucking died off in the fucking tree sap. And they fucking got got fucking encased in the ember. Yeah, crusty syrup. There you go. In the fucking ember, okay? (laughs) So it's a possibility. It's a possibility. And they did say that the the dino DNA was incomplete. So so they had to fucking fill it with frog DNA to make them complete. Which came into play which came into play later. Spoilers. That they see the dinosaurs yeah. were all females, but then frogs were asexual, so that's how they made so the, more dinosaurs. The, the only the only part of this DNA that was incomplete was gender, and not you they, know they, they didn't an say eye all that. They just said that all pigmentation just, or thickness of skin no, they, or size. They, they, just, they just said that all, they made they engineered the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park all to be female, but since they had the frog DNA in them. That frogs can be asexual. It's like like a defensive mecha- defense mechanism or something. They said, and then you know that's how they made more dinosaur eggs in the wild. That they weren't regulated by Jurassic Park scientists. It's just very convenient. That's all I'm saying. It was just so convenient for them to just oh, this is the DNA from frogs. Yeah, but they they explained it. I'm saying it's, it's like there you go. You want to do your Mr. DNA and, talk and now? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The fact that the dinosaurs in the, in, in Jurassic Park were able to reproduce had nothing at all to do with their problems and the story. It didn't. It had nothing to do with it. The T-Rex was not something that just was birthed on Jurassic Park. That was something that they engineered. That was already there. The raptors were already there. Okay, The acid-spitting dinosaur was already there. It wasn't one of these reproduced things. The whole reproduction and the eggs and the looking up skirts, it had nothing to do with the story. Yeah, but it didn't, it though. didn't move anything along. It, it was it was a part of the story though. It didn't didn't have any relevance to do with the characters. But the fact that, that there was a scene where they oh they found dinosaur eggs. Wow, how did this even happen? Is like the yeah, do- but Dr. Grant even need to put dinosaur eggs in there. I was saying with Dr. It Grant, was something that was completely unnecessary. Dr. Grant, who was a brilliant scientist, I'm gonna throw it out there. You know, he he knew from you know probably his, his years and years and years of research of other animals about the, the, the this frogs being a sexual thing, and then he f- put two and two together. As as Dr. Malcolm said, life found a way. And you're going to hate yeah. on Jeff Goldblum real fucking soon. I know you are, you know. <laughs> go, go, look, look. Go, go, go back to Mr. DNA. I know you want to talk take about out, go Go back into the movie. Take out everything about reproduction and eggs and take it completely out of the movie, the movie is missing nothing of what was there. Nothing of what was intended to excite us is missing. It, it was completely unnecessary, which makes Jeff Goldblum's character completely unnecessary, and he was. Gary, tell me 
tell me what he did in that movie. Well, he, he was besides there. sit there and make some smart comments once in a while. Well, that's what he was there for. He was there. Uh, he was a pro- he was basically a uh, probability, you know, theorist. You know, like what could happen will happen. He was the Murphy's Law of Jurassic Park. And guess what? Shit went down. Ian Malcolm was right. You know, you know something. You, you could have. I'm saying you, you, you could have saved happen. some money. Paid your scriptwriters a little more, got rid of Jeff Goldblum, and put a little scene of foreshadowing in there, which would have wrapped up all of it. Hey, Doctor Malcolm, his character is completely inessential. I don't know, man. Inessential. Jurassic Park could have been just as horrible, forty-five minutes shorter. Do do I agree they can cut some scenes? Yes, I do agree they can cut some scenes. You know, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't cut Goldblum out. Would have made it better. By all means, add the scenes. I wouldn't cut Goldblum out though. He, he was he was charismatic in the role, I think, and you know, well, I, I know I'm not gonna say I think because I'm not gonna stand on my ground on that one, you know. But um, yeah. So name specific scenes. Name specific scenes that you didn't care, you don't like about this movie. Uh, I love Jeff Goldblum scenes. Um, he just sits there. He just sits there and, and says stuff. Okay, I, I get it. I get it. He he he's sort of the the mover of the story, kind of our foreshadowing. He lets us know that, you know, trouble's coming. You know, this is not a good idea. But here's one. Okay. Raptors can open doors in Jurassic Park. They're smart enough to open a door, Gary. But they're not smart enough to choose the low-hanging fruit over the high-hanging fruit. And when I say that, go back to the end of the movie. When they're in the Grand Hall of Jurassic Park, Okay, uh-huh. and they got the, the the big dinosaur, you know, bones erected and everything, right? And the T Rex is in there. Yeah. Why the t- Why does the raptor attack the T Rex and not the children that are only twenty feet away? Maybe because I don't know. The T Rex interrupted their shit and started biting one of them, and you know they supposedly. I, I, and they're, they they say in the movie. Now, I don't read dinosaur books. Okay, I only go by what what I see and what I hear about. I watch History Channel. I've seen films, you know. It says the raptors are a pack hunter. So you, you mess with one, you mess with them all. No, so no that's a pack they, hunter. That doesn't mean they defend each other. They, now, they, they, they these might. animals have a basic instinct of survival. You see a T-Rex and they eat your friend? Sorry, Gary, but I'm boning out. You're boning I'm out? I'm not going to I'm not going to start throwing pebbles at the T-Rex for eating you. Well, I, okay, I, I'd, I'd hate to be your friend. Later. Zo- I hate to be your friend in the zombie apocalypse. Is all I'm saying, man. I I will mourn your death later, but I'm not going to stand there and get eaten. All right, what else, dude? All right, Samuel Jackson. Talk about a waste of a character. A waste of an actor. You have that man on set, and you do absolutely nothing with him but have him smoke cigarettes. He was the tech guy. You know, he was a character in the film. It's just like it's just like when he was in... You could have had anyone play that part. That's like having well, Sir t- Lawrence Olivier go in there and, and, and open a can of dog food in an Alpo commercial. <laughs> so you're going to compare Samuel Jackson to Lawrence Olivier? Yeah, well... Samuel L. Jackson's probably the – I mean, come on, Gary. Samuel L. Jackson. He's great. Now, He's great. You he, know, was, but... he didn't have his notoriety at this point yet. I mean, he was only a couple years off of coming to America. you know. Um, but just what this guy brought, I mean, it was – he was a waste. He was wasted. So you got to pick, you know, I guess, I guess like within the genre, you know, like what he, he's a great actor. He's a great actor in those kind of films. But yeah, they didn't do much with him. But he, he was the one that you know, 
the anti Dennis Nedry, you know, Wayne Knight's character that basically, oh, yeah, we, this is how we're going to do it. And he basically. And I just hate that man's face. I, I just <laughs> looking at him. And, and I, that's the whole point. That's why they put him in there because he's sort of the, the villain in the whole thing, you know, but I just hate his face. Yeah. Is it because of Seinfeld? No, I just hate his face. Everything about it. His 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 little curly permy hair and his turkey neck and and yeah, I just nothing about Wayne Knight that I like. Even when he's being entertaining, which he wasn't in Jurassic Park. I mean, he, he was there to play that like that that snide guy, you know. Who he yeah, he thought- did. He sold. I didn't like him at all, but I just don't like him generally. Where he thought he was duped by by Mr. Hammond, you know, he needed more money for all the work he's done. Which, what the fuck did he do? He built the fucking database for this park to fucking run the fences and the fucking cars. Big fucking deal. And, I, and, and I, you know, I won't, yeah, you know, and I won't argue Wayne Knight. He, he did his job. You know, if anything, he carried the movie. Um, he made the movie somewhat good when he got killed. Um, but here's one thing I had a problem with. The guy that created all of Jurassic Park, this man's baby, okay, this bearded guy that looks like the architect from The Matrix, all right, he sounds British. He is British. He sounds European, okay? Why is his DNA having a southern accent? Say it again? They pluck his finger, and then Mr. DNA appears on the screen during their whole animatronic session video tour. Okay, and then Mr. DNA starts narrating. Why does he have a southern accent? Well, he's not related to Mr. DNA because Mr. DNA is not real, dude. I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's it, it's it, it's his DNA. Why is his not, DNA have a British not, accent? It's not his DNA. It's DNA in general. It could be your no, DNA. No, 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 no. He pricks his finger, and then Mr. DNA appears. <laughs> Maybe that was just DNA in general. I am led to believe that that's his DNA. I think you're thinking too much of this, dude. It's all I'm throwing it out there. Okay. Well, you know, I, I just don't like it. It just throws me off. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, I'm hearing British man talking, now I'm hearing Southern man talking? Oh, it's like, okay, you know. Maybe his DNA got, like, spliced with fucking, I don't know. N- n- name a, name a, a Southern actor. Matthew McConaughey, there you go. They had to splice it with Matthew McConaughey to make a terrible DNA. Okay. That would have been that would have made it a little more interesting. Have Matthew McConaughey narrate the little video for, you know, how they find the crusty syrup under the rocks. Crusty syrup under the rocks. It was on a tree, dude. Doesn't show it out there. Right, give me, give me. You gotta give me three scenes. Give me one more, one more thing you don't like about the movie. Uh, let's see, I told you the whole Triceratops mess. Uh, Samuel Jackson's wasted. Jeff Goldblum, completely inessential, and and you know. All they did, here's the thing. Okay, they go there. I'm at Jurassic Park. I'm walking around Jurassic Park. I see pretty dinosaurs. Okay, it starts raining. Things go wrong. And, oh, we have to turn on the power, so go hit the fuse box. And now we have to get on the helicopter and go. Well, it, was all, it was all a process. <laughs> of, it was all a process of getting there. I mean, you and me love Lord of the Rings. But, you know, most of those movies are fucking walking. And then if, if things that happen in between the walking... And then, you know, more walking, and then things that have been walking. Not that I'm complaining about Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings. But it's, it's, if you're going to complain about that, you might as well complain about Lord of the Rings, too, because it's the same thing. It's, well, well it's, I'm complaining. It's, it's, it's walking, getting okay. from point A to point B, in their case, the visitor center, you know, and the Dr. Rings, Grant and the well, kids. Dude, the Rings ended in Mordor, okay? It ended in Mordor, and we go back to the Shire. 
All right. Jurassic Park, they go to a helicopter pad and that's it. Well, clearly Mr. Hammond's you know, project has failed and they, they had to get the fuck out of there. But like he's like <laughs> abandoning his whole like his whole progeny of, of dinosaurs and shit, you know, and all this you know, and stuff. I'm not expecting them to, to lead a rebellion and start killing all the dinosaurs or for Jurassic Park to explode in self-destruct sequence, but completely anticlimactic. Yeah, completely they, anticlimactic. They turn on the power, they run outside, and they get on a helicopter. All right, we're out. Yeah, to blow Dodge, man. They got to get the fuck out of there because all the fences are fucking broken, apparently. Not all of them broken. You know, some and, of them are broken. You know, dinosaurs, for all their dinosaurs, are dinosaurs you know, that would have been a good place to, you know... As they're taking off, the T-Rex, you know, swats at them and they spin out of control a little bit before they regain control and get away, you know, or... Yeah, maybe with the CG, you know, effects of Jurassic Park 3, maybe that would have happened, but, you know, that happens kind of at the end of Jurassic Park 3 where, you know, they're going on the boat, Dr. Grant and whoever the fuck else lives in that fuck movie. It was missing Jeff Goldblum, that's all I'm saying. But, uh, <laughs> like, the T... Whatever, the Allosaurus. It wasn't the T-Rex, it was the Allosaurus in that film attacks them on the boat that was you know very jaws-esque just like just like the lost world kind of ripped off king kong pretty bad when they brought the yeah. t-rex to but i figure what the fuck city they went to at the end it wasn't new york city it was like philadelphia or something you know yeah but that's that, that's how it's, so, it's all it's all homages you know so there's my beef you brought your bread we made some jurassic park sandwiches now, now one thing i will uh, say negative about jurassic park is you're gonna laugh our ass off at this is that what if? Now this is a big what if. The Tim character, that the little boy, died in in, in the first T Rex scene because <laughs> he was kind of a whiny little bitch throughout the whole film. The the, the, the girl was yeah. like assertive, you know, this that, and the other. I know he was like fucking yeah. eight or something, but you know, they've done some films where eight year olds got some balls, and this kid had no balls whatsoever. It, it, it's a, it, no, yeah, Jurassic Park doesn't have any, you know, huevos, but. Yeah, you know, I have a kid who's watching this and is like, no, Daddy, don't put on the scary movie. Don't put on the scary movie. And another kid's saying, yeah, put it on. I want to see his arm get eaten. All right? You know, what's it going to do to my little boy when he watches a little boy getting eaten? <laughs> well, you got to show it on screen, dude. It could just be implied. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> implied? I think either way. I think I think a five-year-old or an eight-year-old can get implied dinosaur eating. I mean, even when they find the, the dismembered body of the lawyer... You know, they find pieces of over there. They find pieces of over there, but they never showed the body parts, dude. That would make no, it. That would don't. make it an R-rated film. But you know what? It, no, because it's enough to see the man getting chomped by a T-Rex. Yeah, but you don't actually see it. You just you just imply that you know once the T-Rex's jaw gets around the, the fucking lawyer while he's sitting on the shitter, which is very makes it a whole other level of funny for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you assume sure that you assume that he swallowed him whole. You know, because you don't see him like prop his head up and you see his legs dangling out of his mouth and up like that, you know? Yeah, and that's enough to, to you know, merit the, you know, here's his arm, you know, uh, here's a foot, you know, why it's like, you know, you're already closing the store to play hockey, why are you going to wimp out when it comes to free stuff to drink? <laughs> well, the T-Rex, you know what I mean? T-Rex is clearly the king of the dinosaurs, so, you know, I guess you figure... I mean, you're he... already showing the man get chomped by 65, you know, thousand razor-sharp teeth, you might as well pick up the arm and let a little blood drip. Yeah, but like I said, it was a PG-13 movie, so if they did all this stuff, they would have to make an R-rated film and then therefore make it less bankable. No, it doesn't make it R-rated. Oh, I think what they did, it didn't have gore. Yeah, if they didn't have gore, it would have been R-rated. Yeah, but no, Jurassic Park, it, it's it's a neutered film, definitely. 
But like I said, they got to make it bankable to, you know, you, you taking your fucking 12-year-old child to go to the theater. Which I saw it at the drive-in, so that, that was pretty cool for me, being like 13 years old. It's like, wow, even today I'm still I'm still enthralled by dinosaurs. We got two museums yeah. in Chicago. Two museums in Chicago. I don't go to Science Center. I go to the Field Museum. That's where the fucking dinosaurs are. Oh, and, and I don't. And I don't so, care. Field Museum's whack. Go get some history, bro. That's all I'm saying. It's good stuff. It's whack like a pinata. Go watch the little baby chickens being born. Yeah, that's all it is. Baby chickens and fucking cranks that make electricity. That's all the fuck it is. <laughs> they have a submarine. Oh, my fault. The submarine too. <laughs> Here we go talking about Chicago and, shit, guys. I'm sorry. That's okay. You guys, yeah. should, you should guys come on and visit us. It'll be all good. <laughs> anyway, so, Jurassic Park rules. You kind of drew a little bit. I'm going to give it. A, yeah, I'm going to give it an A minus. It's a lot of fun. Are you a lot kidding of other, me? A lot of other a ninety. A ninety. Yes. You're going to give the thing. You're going to put the thing in the nineties. Maybe a ninety-one range. Yes. Oh. You're going uh, to give it like a D minus? What are you going to give it, dude? Like a D minus? I'll, I'll, I'll give it a 74. 74? 74. A solid C. Like a tried, solid you know. C. And, 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 and my my not liking it is just personal. It's, it's my, I guess, my own taste. But, you know, there are definite cons when it comes to having to sit through Jurassic Park. And, yeah, thanks for making me do that because I fell asleep at least another half dozen times trying to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, so that's that's your opinion. That's not everybody's opinion. <laughs> I'd say it's about maybe ten percent of the populace's opinion. I've actually yeah, sat and well, watched the film. They say that ninety percent of the populace is the stupid part too. Yeah, hey, I agree. I am pretty yeah. stupid. There's your ninety right there. I forgot most of my twenties. You, you, you're a part <laughs> of that, by the way. I'm just letting you know that now. <laughs> Mosquitoes, and before long they were cloning DNA. Now I'm being chased by some irate velociraptors. Well, believe me, this has been one lousy day. Frightening in the dark All the dinosaurs are running wild Someone shut the fence off in the rain I admit it's kinda eerie But this proves my chaos theory And I don't think I'll be coming back attraction cause getting disemboweled always makes me kinda mad a huge tyrannosaurus ate our lawyer well I suppose that proves they're really not all bad is frightening in the dark all the dinosaurs are running wild someone let t-rex out of his pen i'm afraid those things will harm me because they sure don't act like barney and they think that i'm their dinner not their friend oh no 
by our brother. We're going to take uh, one more break to listen to the trailer for our third film, which will be shown together, which is a delightful action romp called Toy Soldiers. You, you. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. The Regis School for Boys, where the country's best families... Hey, bring that back here! ...send the world's worst students... If you're gonna kick me out, kick me out. Let's make four prep schools in four years. You're trying for the Guinness Book of Records? But these boys... ...are in for a real shock. Fuego! If you do not produce my father unharmed, I will begin executing the hostages. I'm sure by now you have discovered who their parents are. Chairman of the Armed Services Committee. Vice Chairman of the Republican Party. What does your father do, William? Contractor. According to this, he owns the third largest construction company in the world. Yeah, he's a contractor. My boys, many of them, they have a real problem with authority. Are you with me or not? Of course we're with you. But if you get a shot, we're going to be PO'd. synopsis for this action gem is as follows. When terrorists seize control of a boarding school, a group of troublemaking boys decide to resist them. The great cast includes Sean Astin as Billy, Will Wheaton as Joey, Keith Coogan as Jonathan, George Perez as Montoya, T.E. Russell as... I forget his name now. He was, the, he was their other friend, the, the, the black fellow. <laughs> it's, it's, he seems unimportant, so I, I, I guess, you know, spoilers... He's kind of a minor character, really, but, you know, I don't mean to, to discount him in any way. Andrew Divoff as Luis Kelly, Arlie Ermey as General Kramer, Michael Champion, or as I call him, Michael Ironside's bitch from Total Recall, as Jack Thorpe. <laughs> See, that's funny, man. I'm sorry. Lou, Lou Gossett Jr. as Dean Parker. Sean Phelan is one of my favorite characters, Yogurt. And to top off the cast, Denholm Elliott as the headmaster. This film gets an IMDb score of 6.2, which I think is kind of low for the kind of film you get. What do you think, brother? What did they rate it? A 6.2. 6.2? Really? Yeah, that's low. Man. All right. There's some, yeah, they got something wrong with that movie. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to discuss that further because, you know, me and you both love this film. So So we'll, we'll have to keep a track on the show, Gary. Right now, IMDb is at about a, what, 66%? Yeah, that's about on, right. Uh, air that's about right, Teach. So, you have to keep track of this over the course of your shows. Uh, I'll do my very best to like say what they got wrong, or, or in my opinion, or in our opinion, they got wrong. Okay. Was the first time you saw? Too much... say is Go ahead. Too much underwear. That's all. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into that, dude. We'll get into that. All I'm saying. <laughs> Was the first time you saw the film, dude? First time I saw Toy Soldiers? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I probably the theater. What year did it come out? I think 93. 
93. I probably did see it in the theater with uh, my brother-in-law. Okay. Yeah, I probably first saw it on VHS because we were broke motherfuckers, and if it didn't come to the dollar store, we didn't see it, basically. <laughs> they kept the same movies at the dollar store all the time. So I've probably seen Freddy's Dead a good at least eight times because it was at the show for a long time. How many times did you see King Ralph? King Ralph? I've seen King Ralph one time <laughs> on cable once. I never watched it again. Sorry, John Goodman. At the dollar show, yeah. Anyway, you know, what, what do you love about this film? What I love about Toy Soldiers is that it's kids kicking ass. Yes, it's crafty kids, too. Yeah, you know, they're they're punks, and I was a punk, and I, I just, I got it. You know, they're pulling pranks, and they're clever, and they're smarter than the adults, and you know what? What 10, 11, 12 year old kids not going to get behind that? Yeah, because um, you know, half the school, according to the Gospel of Lou Gossett Jr., you know, who was excellent in this movie, said that, you know, half for the his kids were, five hey, minutes. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't in the movie a lot, but the, the moments he was in the movie, you know, I was like, oh, Chappie, I love you so much, man. I get all gay for Lou Gossett Jr. because I'm an Eagle, I know. But uh, <laughs> I love him, man. I met him once at a convention. I called him Chappie. He, 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 he fucking smiled his ass off, you know. Like, that's the first time he called that. Like, okay, thanks, sir. He, he was great in the movie. For the, he basically said that you know half the kids in the, in the school were kicked out of other schools, so they were all juvenile delinquents. Mm-hmm. And you know, Sean Austin just carried that attitude over. You know, I mean, he was just that—he was just the perfect bad boy for that movie. And I want to say, ladies, I think Sean Austin is just as sexy as you girls do. <laughs> all right, Sean Austin's—he's—he's he's Sean Austin. You saw he's, the he's them saucy boy curls, you know? It is. I think it is. And it's them chubby little cheeks he brought to the Hobbit, too. That's a dozen for I'm sorry, the Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings. You know, uh, the Goonies, you know. Yeah, once again, once, once again, he's the king of the rejects in this fucking movie. And he's That's like, right. He was the king of the rejects in the Goonies, you know. That's right. Yeah, now back to you what you were saying about the, the underwear thing. This movie was, yeah, this is like the only yeah, bad thing to say about this. Yeah, what is it with the boys in their underwear, man? It like Every It's like blatantly, okay, yeah, blatantly it. homoerotic. It comes, it, it, yeah. kind of, it comes right from the gate when they go downstairs that their group of friends, you know, with, with Will Wheaton and Keith Coogan and, you know, the token black guy and the token Spanish guy who looks crazy like A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell. Yeah, and the it, token black guy looked like the singer from Boys to Men. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> And they, they go downstairs, and they fucking listen to phone sex with their friends. Who the fuck does that? He's like, let's, let's, let's go downstairs. They were, like, Gary, they were sitting in a circle. Let's go downstairs, and, let's, let's go downstairs and rub each one out to this girl, you know, and let's, like, hack hack the school's phone. Which, that was pretty ingenious, by the way, them hacking the school's phone line to call, like, fucking call lines and shit, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the, the fucking Keith Coogan character, Jonathan... He was asthmatic, mm-hmm. but he smoked his ass off. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> yeah. You think somebody who fucking was asthmatic as fuck wouldn't be smoking at all? You know, he'd just be, he's puffing away, <laughs> man, puffing away. <laughs> gotta look cool, man. You gotta carry the image. He looks real cool. He's like, uh, Will Wheaton, that, that must run in mafia families. Ugh. <laughs> that kind of room I run in mafia families, man. And then, you know, you do it a lot. You know you want to. It's like, dude, you know, I'm just fuck with you, man. I can call you a fucking wop if I want to. Right. Oh, man. What else I love about this fucking movie? Oh, yeah, one more, one more gay thing. I, I hate to bring this up. But this is like a couple years after the George Michael album came out, the Faith album. 
and fucking Will Wheaton had the fucking cross in the one ear. I'm not going to call it the gay ear because, you know, I don't be homophobic, but, you know, <laughs> the George Michael earring like, kind of threw me off a little bit. Like, dude, I just caught that, like, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, just... It's, it's, just, it's just an all-around good, bad movie. I mean, honestly, there's nothing award-winning about it, but it's just fun to watch, you know? Uh Plus, I can see why it got it got an R rating because there's parts of that film where it's fucking graphic as fuck. I mean, the, yeah. part, the part at the beginning where they're 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 in fucking Colombia and they're they're oh, and the judge gets yeah, thrown off the helicopter. No, yeah, the, that was the one before that where they throw the woman out the window. You just yeah. see her fucking hit the fucking steps and there's blood. Yeah. And, oh God, you could tell why. It know, got yeah, it. I was gonna say I forgot all about that. I don't remember ever seeing that scene. It's yeah, like every time I saw the movie, I came in like three or four minutes in and I never really saw that, that beginning scene. Um, yeah. Hardcore. And that, that kind of establishes, you know, you know, you're not messing with these guys, which kind of makes these kids look really stupid when they start messing with them. I just love how this, the school has like, you know, one guard for the entire school. And he's an, yeah. he's a very Barney Fife card to be, to begin because you know, the, the, the terrorist busted is like, we don't want any trouble. He goes for that fucking gun. He probably got a bullet to the motherfucker. Just like, just like fucking yeah, right? party I mean, This is like the, you know, dangerous minds of, of prep schools, right? Why would you, you know, you should have more than one guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you know, the, 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 blood preparation. Splatter, the blood splatter from the bullets, man. I mean, you don't see that in the PG-13 film. No. You see shit like that similar, like in like Robocop, you know, or the Ed 209, like guns on the guy, and like makes hamburger meat out of him. It wasn't that extreme to, to begin with, but you know. You don't see that kind of going like like PG thirteen movies. No, not at all. And they're they're a foul mouth little fucks too. They 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 said a lot of curse words too in that movie. Yeah, and and that you know what that made it actually realistic uh-huh. for a bunch of 12, 13, 14 year old boys. You know that that really that made me think. Oh yeah, this could happen. <laughs> One of my favorite characters in the whole movie is fucking uh, yogurt. The, the 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 roommate they're stuck with. Because he he seems uh, in the, he seems in the end like he's the most craftiest one of the bunch. Oh, who are you talking about? The the kid with the he had the the flying plane the, the, the plane? plane yeah yeah because yeah. he figured out everything like you know we can switch chips in the receiver blah 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 you know spoilers guys <laughs> I'm sorry again but you should watch this movie it's fucking delightful it's a great action film there's and no reason did, not to watch, like watch that movie. I put in my notes, you know, Yogurt is the man because he is the man. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have figured it out without him. Yep. So the fact that they got, they got side-saddled with this slug, you know, who turned out to be awesome, Yogurt, you know, he becomes a hero, really. You know, besides Billy, the shot as a character, you know, it's pretty amazing, you know. Yeah. You know, I got to like the choice for Will Wheaton's mafia boss dad, the yeah. dad from Dirty Dancing. Jerry, Jerry Orbach, oh. man. Law and Order. <laughs> Good choice, you know. I mean, he just had that stern sort of, you know, get the business done, you know. And then, you know, there were all these little scenes that 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 did that, that you know made it seem a little more dangerous. The movie made made the movie a little more hardcore. The prison scenes, um, the scene in the beginning with the courthouse and the hostages. Yeah, what was you know, the, what was I the mean, deal with you know now, now the guy Louise played by Andy, brilliant Andrew Divoff in the movie, he was. He was getting these coded messages from his father in prison. Now, why? You know, I never realized his father is a powerful man, but if he's such under this government scrutiny, like he's under like lockdown from everybody and like fucking sunlight and everything, why would they let him out of his cell to send these coded messages to his son 
It's basically telling them, you know, oh, I'm okay, but I'm getting sick of this prison and this, that, and the yeah, other. Yeah, you, you figure know? you have the entire FBI, CIA on this case, you know, the whole goal for getting, you know, the whole reason for this scenario going on is the dad in prison. You know, you, you figure he'd be under a little bit tighter lock and key. No poor man's Pablo Escobar, you know. But, hey, you know, the mob, they got, they're in the pockets of the prison guards, you know. that I believe that. And, and apparently Will Wheaton's dad knew some motherfuckers because, you know, the scene where, you know, something unfortunate happens to Will Wheaton, he gets right out of that shit. And, like, you know, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Get him. You know, he's done. You know. Yeah, right. And then, you know, you gotta teach them that there are no accidents. <laughs> yeah, there are no accidents. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the end, you know, they, they finally are able to, you know, they find out Billy's secret secret passageway, you know, out of, out of school, you know. And mm-hmm. they, they, they send the fucking the fucking uh, army in there with their, their sharpshooters, you know. After the kids did, the kids did all the work for them in this fucking film. Which means they were smarter than any fucking government official could possibly be, you know. Like, where the fuck could they be possibly? Amen. Where the fuck could they possibly be sniping or have this giant 50-caliber right. machine gun? It's like, oh, yeah, they got this giant fucking clock tower and the fucking roofs and shit, you know. They, could, they couldn't possibly be up there, you know. Yeah, so why, <laughs> yeah the fuck, right? why the fuck could they set these fucking... <laughs> why movies? would they take the high ground? <laughs> why the fuck that would they do that? That doesn't make sense. That makes sense at all. Yeah, you know? why? Why would the fuck <laughs> they set their fucking commandos in there straight away? These fucking, snipe, these fucking marine snipers would probably would shoot a motherfucker from a thousand yards away. To, to shoot these motherfuckers and, like, be done with it. Like, wow, okay. We, we killed this one, we killed that one, we killed that one. And now I realize, you know, that once the guys start getting bumped off, they're going to start bumping off some of the kids. But there was, like, fucking 100 people in that place to, like, I don't know, maybe 10 terrorists. Yeah, well... So, so, they, so they, if, they, if somebody sacked up, you know, a long time ago, you know... The, the, the place it. would have blown up, Gary. He would have hit the button on the garage door opener. Yeah, they, they, and they everything knew, would have been blown they, up. They knew the guy who had the fucking thing. They knew the guy, and he was—he was like like the, like they always said, you know. Oh, he's always in that office. He's always in the headmaster's office. It's not like they didn't know who the fuck he was. Yeah, and they said they they couldn't knock him out without the guy being able to press the button. Uh, I guess yeah. I guess they, they take they take care of these things, you know. Yeah. Toy Soldiers doesn't have any real flaws. No, not a lot of flaws, I mean, no, except for you. Know, that's exactly what it was meant to do. The stuff we mentioned. Um, other than, yeah, you know, you know, making these kids out to be so much smarter than they could possibly be, and then the adults so much dumber than, you know, they could possibly be. Um, did, did I mention what a wonderful sketch artist that Will Wheaton was in the film? Yeah, right? He, like, he Beautiful. had the shit nailed down, man. You know, you, it's funny, you never see him do anything other than filling in some little portion of the <laughs> of the drawing because <laughs> they had to do it in secrecy. <laughs> yeah, I love the, the 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 music at the end too when they're 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 invading the school. The 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 the, the army guys. It's like some of the best. Here comes the cavalry music ever. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're gonna get him now. I get real excited, man. Right. That's like some Karate Kid type shit, man. You get real excited because 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 the music kicks in. The fucking- wars can be settled over toy soldiers. And Just ki- and sit kick down. Ass, and kick ass cavalry music. Have some nachos and watch Toy Soldiers. You'll hash out your problems. It's all good. You think that, you know, our current conflicts and the different countries that we're still starting shit with about now, they can watch Toy Soldiers and work out their problems? That's right. Or just might give them new ideas, like to invade, like, a prep school, like, you know, <laughs> go, go, like, ape shit on people. Who happens to have the, the, all the richest kids in America in the fucking school? 
right? What's your dad do for a living, Billy? I told you, he's a contractor. Shut the fuck up, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, all in all, a great movie, though. I, I, I love to see Denholm Elliott and, and Arlie Ermey in the same film, you know? Yeah. What do you give it? I give I give I give Toy Soldiers an A plus since you know you're bitched about Jurassic Park. Be giving an A minus. I have to give this one an A plus. I think it's a must see for anybody who loves action. It is. It is definitely a must see. A plus for sure. And now here's some shows you guys should be listening to. If you don't have them already, get them. And that's a wrap. Sweet, another episode in the can. You know what Movie Copia needs now? Another co-host. A promo. Yeah, something that tells listeners that we review movies of all kinds on Movie Copia. Like anime and horror, stuff like Afro Samurai and The Howling. Action and sci-fi, like Die Hard and the Angry Red Planet. An invite of a sort to join us as we try to find the best of the best. We should think about getting one recorded for Movie Copia. Yeah. So, stop me if you've heard this one. A blind man, a Bigfoot hunter, and a lesbian walk into a bar. Really? What? It's funny! Here are just a few of the things famous people say about the After Movie Diner podcast. Hello, I'm Dame Judy Dench, and when I'm not dusting the submarine, I'm listening to the After Movie Diner podcast. You know, for the film reviews. Hello, I'm Eric Stoltz, and when I'm not taking Uncle to the pictures, I'm listening to the After Movie Diner podcast for the interviews. Hello, I'm Lewis Gossett Jr., and when I'm not trampolining for peace, I'm listening to the After Movie Diner podcast for the music. Hello, Bernie Torpin here, and when I'm not undermining Venezuela. I'm listening to the After Movie Diner podcast for the guests. Hello, I'm Celia Imri Stunt Double, and when I'm not wanking for tumours, I'm listening to the After Movie Diner podcast for the comedy. Hi there, I'm Ali Sheedy, and when I'm not taking photographs of bricks, I'm listening to the After Movie Diner podcast, mostly for the pancakes. Yes, that's right. The award-winning After Movie Diner podcast is all things to all people. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podbean, Facebook, Twitter, and at www.aftermoviediner.com. Excuse me, what are you doing? Are you looking for porn again? No. Well, what is that I see? It's not porn. It's the badassboobsandbodycounts.com website. I happen to be looking at the reviews in the boobs section of the site. They have a section of the site dedicated to boobs? Yes, they do. They cover exploitation films in the boobs category, action films in the badass category, and horror in the body counts category. What's that review you're reading now? This is Andy Sidaris's Malibu Express. See at the bottom of the review there? They list how many boobs appear in the film. In this case, it's 22 pairs. This is definitely a film I want to see. You mean just for boobs? Uh, yeah, just for boobs. What's that other option, BB and BC podcast? That's the great thing about the site. If you're not into reading the reviews, you can listen to them via the web on your mobile device through iTunes and even Stitcher Smart Radio. And they cover the same types of films, lesser known action, exploitation, and horror cinema. So yeah, to answer your question, I wasn't cruising porn. That's too bad. What's too bad? That you weren't cruising for porn. Uh, why? Because I was feeling kind of horny. Ooh, 
wait, 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 wait. Get back here. Hey, get back here. Hi, I'm John Water. Yeah, hi, this is Dolph Lundgren. Hi, I'm Lance Henriksen. Hi, this is Keith Gordon. Robert Kuhn. Miguel Ferrer. Nancy Allen. Robert Davi. Richard Elfman. Ileana Douglas. Patrick Warburton. Dwayne Hauser. Cliff Young. Steve Railsback. Mr. D. William Cass. If you haven't been listening to the Projection Booth podcast, you're missing out. Each week, the Projection Booth brings you in-depth discussions of some of the most interesting movies ever made. I'm Mike White. No, the other one. I'm the guy who wrote the film fanzine Cashiers to Cinemart since 1994. Since early 2011, I've been co-hosting the Projection Booth podcast. Try us, won't you? I never try anything. I just do it. Visit the Projection Booth at projection-booth.com. This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, I, halfway through this movie I was just like, let's get, get this thing going. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the shinless list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of exactly. discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or, or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby, The Toxic Avenger, The New Favorites, Absentia, Cabin in the Woods, The Loved Ones, Shadow of Death, VHS, The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. This is where we take a breath and attempt to close out the show as the dust has settled. I had a great time. How about you, brother? It was great for me. I hope we didn't damage each other's <laughs> egos too much. At times, they can get pretty huge. Typical male attitude, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we'll be okay. I think our friendship might survive Daddy, this one. Guess what? Anyways, I couldn't tell you what is going to be on the next show. I have an idea of the films I want to watch. The rest of the fate is entirely up to you. I can't guarantee a new show every week. I couldn't tell you when the next show will drop, because we are the gorillas of podcasting. You never know when we're going to strike. I'd like to thank all of you, <laughs> all of you for listening, and I hope you enjoy yourself as much as we had recording this first episode. This is the part where I get all sappy and shit. I want to think- Yeah, don't do that. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to be <laughs> blushing like a motherfucker right now, man. Oh, that's right. Your, your, little, your little thank yous. That's cool, man. I want to thank a few people. Well, more than a few that have become inspired me to get up off my ass and actually do this show. First of all, Jesse Bollinger, we've become great friends, and without you, this show has been, may never been conceived. Second, Mike Murphy, your suggestions for films for me to watch have always been awesome. You always turn me on new stuff that continues continues to blow my mind. I would thank all the gang at the, the, the Devour the Podcast podcast, oh, podcast twice, dumbass, being David, An- David Anders, Bo Ransel, and most of all, Miss Jamie Jenkins. What can I say about that woman? You're my friend and my muse, and I love you for that. Now, this is where I truly start gushing, okay? Also, Mike and Shane of the Corpse Cast for your great humor 
and for turning me on to new music that I would never listen to before. The boys at the projection booth for making even menial films relevant. The boys at the afternoon movie diner and Dr. Action and the kick-ass kid commentaries respectively for making me laugh and enjoy myself every episode. And finally, Kelly and Iris from Cryptophiles and Movie Copia Podcast. You guys keep me going and not want to pull my coworkers all week with the exception of my friend here. I've thought about that more than once, trust me. If I left anyone out, I apologize. I listen to a lot of you each and every week. To end this show, I always play a selection that, even when my country has me at my wit's end, it always inspires me to love it and not leave it. I thought it was appropriate considering the subject matter of our pickup toy soldiers. So here's another man who continues to inspire, inspire life decisions, even when he, I'm sure he didn't mean me at all in his songs. He, been making, he made music for a long, long time. Mr. Johnny Cash. Hey, remember, folks, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. And thanks for listening, folks. I'm a flag-waving patriotic Nephew of my Uncle Sam A rough-riding, fighting Yankee man I love mom and apple pie And the freedoms that we all enjoy Across this beautiful land I worked hard and I fight hard For the old red, white and blue And I'll die a whole lot harder if it comes to where I have to I'm a flag-waving patriotic Nephew of my Uncle Sam A rough-riding, fighting Yankee man And when I see old glory waving I think of all the brave men Who have fought and died for what is right and wrong And when I see old glory burning My blood begins to churning and I could do some fighting of my own I don't believe in violence I'm a God-fearing man But I'd stand up for my country Just as long as I could stand Cause I'm a flag-waving patriotic Nephew of my Uncle Sam A rough-riding, fighting Yankee man Flag-waving patriotic Nephew of my Uncle Sam A rough-riding, fighting Yankee man And I enjoy the liberty Of being what I want to be And achieving any goals that I can I was taught to turn the other cheek But Teddy used to say Walk soft and pack a big stick but never walk away And I'm a flag-waving patriotic Nephew of my Uncle Sam A rough-riding, fighting Yankee man And when I see old glory waving I think of all the brave men That have fought and died for what is right and wrong And when I see old glory burning My blood begins to churn and I could do some fighting of my own Cause I love all my brothers and we're proud of our birth We've got the greatest country here on God's green earth And I'm a flag-waving patriot
patriotic Nephew of my Uncle Sam A rough riding, fighting Yankee man 